0: Hello and welcome back to Lutheran Witness podcast. Here on the Lutheran Witness podcast, we read for you the articles shared on the Lutheran Witness website. However, however for the month of March we're doing something special, trying out giving to you the content of the Lutheran Witness magazine here on the podcast, so you'll be able to enjoy all of these articles this month and today's article is by Peter Burfind. Government, the God of the Nuns. Before we get into this article, however, I want to give a shout-out to our podcast partners, KFUO.org. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere, KFUO.org. Check out their work over at that their website. But the March issue of The Lutheran Witness is all about the nuns, that is, those who mark nun on religious preference surveys. And in our article today, Peter Burfind takes up the spiritual reality, the deity that rests behind a significant portion of the spiritual but not religious thinking in America today, and that is the government. So let's dig right on into this Government, the God of the Nuns by Peter Burfind. Just because they mark nun when asked, What is your religious affiliation? does not mean the nuns do not have a spirituality, and spirituality requires a deity. Many nuns look to the government for this role. They often invest godlike, messianic hopes in the government and its capacity to make the world a better place. We should be wary of the deification of government and the view that through politics, anyone can make the world a better place. There is only one divine savior of our world, and that is our Lord Jesus. We need to be loving witnesses of the truth to the nuns we encounter because they likely have heavily burdened souls that call for Christ's compassion. It is not easy, after all, bearing the burden of saving the world. Jesus warns us about antichrists. He says there will be war, famine, and pestilence, and then false Christs will appear to deceive many. False Christs, or antichrists, will deceive many into believing they can save the world from these ills. When there are wars, famines, and pestilence, a leader will emerge promising to end these things and make the world a better place. Jesus warns us precisely of these messianic aspirations. War, famine, or pestilence have afflicted the world since the fall. They are but the beginning of the birth pains, Matthew 24. Yet people still fall for the messianic deceit that a person or movement can create world peace, end world hunger, stop pestilence, or avert climate catastrophe. Saint John adds dimension to Jesus' teaching when he writes, Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming, and is now already in the world. 1 John 4, New King James Version. St. John was addressing the rise of Gnosticism in the Church. Gnosticism believed that an evil deity created the physical, material universe, and that we are divine sparks trapped in physical bodies. The true God sent Jesus as a messenger to enlighten us to this truth and to teach us how to escape our bodies and return to him. But, Gnosticism taught, Jesus only appeared to use a body while on earth. The Gnostics denied that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. What does all this have to do with politics? Well, the Gnostics show how people can grant messianic, Christ-like attributes to political figures. For them, Christ is not a human person existing in flesh and blood, that is, the man who lived in first century Palestine and who is present sacramentally today in the church. Rather, anyone who promises to save our world bears the mantle of Christ. That can be a single political figure, or it can be a political movement. Either way, St. John writes, anything that takes the place of Christ is the spirit of the Antichrist. In his commentary on St. John's epistles, Martin Luther called the millenarian movement of his day Antichrists. Millenarianism believed the church age was coming to an end and would be replaced by a new age of the Holy Spirit. No longer would God's presence in Christ be mediated by the church, but the Holy Spirit would work directly on the hearts of his elect saints. By cooperating with these divine urgings, the elect would inaugurate the thousand year kingdom of God on earth. Millenarian movements were rampant in the Middle Ages. They began when a charismatic prophet would arise, claiming divine inspiration. He would convince followers that God was speaking through him. He would teach that it was God's will to destroy the old order of church and state and inaugurate his kingdom on earth. These sects typically understood the world in stark terms. Their sect was purity, light, and goodness while existing institutions represented impure demonic forces of darkness, stalling the advent of God's kingdom. Their political programs were totalitarian. They imposed property sharing and radically overthrew existing systems and institutions. They defaced traditional statuary, destroyed their enemies, and, in the more radical sex, practiced wife-sharing. Eventually, the movement would die when it failed to live up to its utopian aspirations. In Luther's day, millenarianism manifested through radical reformers such as Thomas Munzer and Andreas Karlstadt. The millenarian revolution in Munster in 1534 demonstrated all of the traits in the previous paragraph. In the 17th century, pietism picked up the millenarian flame. Pietism downplayed the role of doctrine, sacraments, and rituals, emphasizing instead the sanctified life. This core theology echoed millenarianism. Those in tune with God's Spirit can use their personal purity to purify society and thereby inaugurate God's kingdom on earth. Pietism sets up an extremely important figure in our story, Georg Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel, 1770-1831. Hegel was raised in the Duchy of Württemberg, a highly pietistic area. Through his pietism, Hegel inherited millenarian understandings of world history. God's spirit is active in the world, inspiring Christians to be activists to bring about a better world. Hegel's challenge in the 18th century was to frame these views in a way acceptable to an enlightenment world where science was king. His philosophy arose from this project. He created a secular form of millenarianism. Instead of the Holy Spirit, he posited the spirit of history. Instead of a prophet, he proposed the enlightened philosopher. Instead of Christian sanctification, he suggested a, quote, heightened consciousness, what we today might call being woke, earned through education. Instead of the church as the setting for God's kingdom, Hegel believed God's kingdom would manifest through political movement and culminate in enlightened governance. Hegel's philosophy is why people today talk about the right side of history, as if history has a preordained progressive future. Hegel is, in part, why the government has assumed much of the human care work the church once did—education, hospitals, and care for the poor. Hegel is also why today's nuns feel justified expressing their spiritual yearnings through political activism. Hegel is a source for the totalitarian movements of the modern era. Marx embraced Hegel's philosophy, as did the early progressives. Hitler believed in a thousand-year Reich. Whether communism, progressivism, or fascism, each of these movements engenders religious fervor in their followers. Their movements were not just political platforms. They were history's call to action. Their devotees were involved in bringing about a new age, seeking to purify the world. Consider Barack Obama's statement to a group of evangelicals during his presidential campaign. Quote, I am confident that we can create a kingdom right here on earth, close quote. This hope, along with his famous line, quote, we are the ones we've been waiting for, close quote, are messianic in scope. But notice, the Messiah it confesses is not the flesh and blood Jesus. It's us. Herein is the weak point in millenarian spirituality embraced by the nuns. In 1944, six ex-communists published a book whose title is revealing, The God That Failed. Each author described the effect communist ideology had on him as a religion that invoked a feeling similar to religious fervor. But the failures of communism led them to cynicism and doubt. Their God had failed them. The book offers a blueprint for Lutherans on how to respond to nuns who place their hope on politics. Obama said, quote, We can create a kingdom right here on earth, close quote. But what a tremendous burden placed on the soul to save the world. This echoes Hegelianism, Pietism, Millenarianism, and Gnosticism, all of which place the Christ mantle on us and call on us to save the world. When we fail, our God fails because that God is us. The ensuing despair leaves us believing the world is hopelessly dark and full of evils. Is it any wonder that the same demographic that puts hope in politics also struggles the most with depression and anxiety? What a wonderful opportunity for Lutherans to bear witness about their faith. Our faith teaches hope in the world to come, not this world. God's kingdom comes not by our powers, but by Christ's action. We pray, thy kingdom come, and trust that this prayer will be answered not by us, but by Christ. In the meantime, by faith we see our world not as a hopelessly dark realm full of evil powers, the way the Gnostics view the world, but as a place full of the steadfast love of the Lord. Psalm 33 By faith, we see Christ rule over all things for our good, and we can be thankful at all times and in all places. That is a powerful message that relieves us of the burden to save the world. Relinquishing that role to Jesus places hope in the God who never fails. Thank you for taking time to listen to this article by Peter Burfind, titled, Government, the God of the Nuns. If you found this article helpful, please Take a moment, support The Lutheran Witness, and head over to cph.org witness and subscribe. You can also get more content. We have a series coming up that you'll want to see on or read on wokeism. That will be available beginning in April and going through May and possibly into June. So in order to read that series, you'll want to visit witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective.